0: Okay, um, if you have a Bible, if you have a phone, if you have any other device that um, has a Bible on it, um, why don't you open it up to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to be reading verses 26 to 38. So Luke 1, 26 to 38. and the angel left her. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, stories that uh, we read of the ways that you have moved in history, and we thank you that you still move today. We thank you, God, for this story that is so familiar to us that we... Um, and yet we, we often miss details. We often miss what you're doing in these stories where we've become too familiar. So, God, I pray you would open our eyes to see wonderful, beautiful things in your word, that we would see your word as a treasure that we can, uh, this never ending treasure we can draw from. God, I pray you'd open our hearts, open our minds, that we would see Jesus. Amen. So, um, Joel DeHart. I imagine nobody has heard of Joel DeHart apart from Susie, Um, was a missionary in Afghanistan in the early 90s. I I have his permission to tell this story. Um, On July 6, 1991, as he and his colleagues were loading medical equipment back into their van, um, a jeep raced up beside them and uh, kidnapped them. These men turned out to be uh, Mujahideen. Uh, So this was an Islamic militant group that fought the Soviets and then the communist government of Afghanistan and actually ended up toppling that government. But anyway, Joel uh, Dehart was kidnapped and taken by one of the factions of the Mujahideen and kept for six months. For five of those months, Uh, Joel didn't have access to a Bible. This was an Islamic group. They were not going to let him read the Bible. Um, And so what did he do? Well, you can actually read his his story in a book called The Upper Hand, which tells the story. And and what you'll find is that over those um, many years leading up to that moment, he had spent countless hours meditating on Scripture, memorizing Scripture, So that in those moments of enormous danger, where he wasn't really sure he would make it out alive, he was able to rely on those years of pondering, of treasuring, of meditating on the word of God to not be completely destroyed by what happened to him. Yes, these months were incredibly hard, but he had spent such a long time pondering and going deep into who God is, what Jesus has done, who he is in Jesus, that he was able to come out of the end of it actually stronger rather than uh, weaker. Uh, He was eventually freed, and he's still alive today and still ministering to Afghans. In the Gospel of Luke, we see three times that. He tells us that Mary, Jesus' mother, heard from God in some way and pondered or discerned or treasured what she had heard. And as we end this series on apprenticeship, I want to look at Mary, and specifically these times where she treasured the Word of God, she pondered the Word of God, and see how ultimately she is one of the most exceptional examples of apprenticeship, of following Jesus, of learning how to live the way He does. And I want to look at how these. Uh, if if we do treasure the Word of God, if we do discern what He is saying, if we do really ponder on what Jesus tells us, then we can make it through some of the most challenging parts of our journey of apprenticeship. Every time Gareth invites me to preach, uh, he always seems to give me passages that have to do some, something to do with suffering. Or difficulty, or last time it was depression. Um, I don't know why, considering my jovial disposition, but there we go. So the first time we see uh, in the Gospel of Luke uh, is the passage I just read. We see that the angel comes to Mary, um, a young girl in a village far away from Jerusalem, and and speaks to her. He says, "Greetings or rejoice." He says, you are highly favored, or a different way of saying that is, God's grace is on you. And then he says, the Lord is with you. And then in verse 29, which is where I want to spend most of this first part, how does Mary respond to that? So it says Mary is greatly troubled. She tried to discern what kind of greeting this was. What the angel said took her completely by surprise. Obviously, she was surprised that an angel appeared, as most of us would be. But that's not actually what surprises Mary the most. What surprises or actually troubles Mary is what the angel says to her. The angel doesn't just say, greetings, Mary. He adds, he says, he, he calls her favored Another way of translating that whole greeting is rejoice you to whom God has shown his grace. The Lord is with you. And this really troubles Mary. Me? God has looked on me with favor? God is with me? Are you sure this isn't some kind of mistake? You see, up until that point, God had basically been silent for 400 years. They hadn't heard from God at least in ways that they had in the past. 400 years. And yet here in this quiet countryside village a teenage girl is told that God sees her. He wants to show His grace to her. He has a purpose for her. And before the angel explains what she's going to have to do, what God has called her to do, before telling her the specifics of God's plan for her, he simply assures her of who she is and of God's presence. And I want to suggest that as we draw this series on apprenticeship to an end, that this is at the very root of apprenticeship, of following Jesus. Not First and foremost, what is Jesus calling me to do? But who does Jesus say I am? Amen. And this is going to take a lifetime of pondering, of meditating on, of figuring out, who am I in Jesus? Who has Jesus said I am? For the last... um, I'm 30, so let's say for the last 30 years, I've needed uh, various forms of counseling. And um, recently I've been going through, uh, um, actually just come to an end, of um, a few months um, with a a Christian counselor um, talking about anger, talking about obsessive-compulsive disorder, uh, talking about depression. And um, he... uh, after a few weeks, he said, you know, let's, get, let's just push all that aside. Let's get out of the specifics because I think that the root issue is that you're not listening to Jesus. Bit harsh, but true. You're not listening to who Jesus says you are. You're believing lies. And he asked me, Tell me who you think you are. And so um, I gave him a list, and it, it read something like this. I'm not really loved. No one really likes me. God is constantly ever so slightly disappointed in me. I don't really belong. I'm disgusting, and if anyone knew what goes on in on my head, they would say, amen, Noah, you are. And he said, there you go, you're not listening to Jesus. Because who does Jesus tell you you are? Well, Jesus says you're known fully. Even the worst parts. And you're fully loved. And you do belong. You're my child. You're wonderfully made. See, in a sense, a life of, rep- of apprenticeship with Jesus, um, you can sum it up as undoing, everything you believe about yourself that is wrong, and relearning who we are in Jesus. Because believe it or not, your perception of yourself is usually wildly wrong. And so what I, in this first example we see of Mary, what I, what I invite us to do is do what Mary did. She didn't respond and say, no, no, I'm not favored. God's not with me. She stopped. Yes, she was troubled. She stopped. She tried to figure out. She thought about it. She treasured it. She pondered what the angel had said to her. Listen closely to who Jesus says you are. Read, memorize these words that Jesus says about you. Because his, percep- his perception of you is accurate. Accurate treasure what Jesus says about you. Think of it often. Read the pages of his word. Listen to him. Spend your life going deeper into who you are in Jesus. And then there's just a little phrase that the angel says, the Lord is with you. What deep comfort it is to know that even in a, in a more real sense than We are together in this room. Jesus is with you. He's more real than the person next to you. Store up these truths in your heart about who you are in Jesus. The second time in Mary's life that we see that she ponders or she treasures something that God said is just after Jesus is born. In Luke 2, um, 15 to 19. We, don't, we won't have time to actually read that, but um, just have it open in front of you. An angel appears to shepherds outside the town of Bethlehem, and he tells them the good news that the Savior that Israel has been waiting for has finally arrived. So then a whole group of angels start singing a song of worship to God before they all disappear. Your typical Tuesday night. The shepherds then follow the directions that they were given and tell Mary and Joseph. And it seems that others were there too. They tell them everything they had heard about Jesus, how Jesus is the Savior they've been waiting for. And it says in verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. So notice that while everyone else is is amazed, is in awe, Mary treasures these things. She thinks about them. She takes time. She stops for a minute. She takes time to really think about the implications of what she's heard about Jesus. Jesus. She knows what the angel has said about who Jesus is, and what the shepherds have told her carry enormous implications for her life. She allows it to take root in her heart. She doesn't just react in amazement and then go away. She treasures these things, she thinks on them, she meditates on them. Jesus tells a story in the Gospels um, about a sower who goes out and plants seeds. And he scatters the seeds, and they fall on uh, four different kinds of soil. And they represent four different types of people who hear the word of God, or four different reactions we can all have, actually, to hearing the word of God. And one of these is actually initial amazement. Um, But then, because of the cares of this life, because of the worries of this life, that fades away. But the final reaction Jesus talks about is the person who allows the gospel, who allows the truth of who Jesus is to take deep root in them and change them. And this is what Mary does. She knows that thinking on who Jesus is is of infinite value and will be a lifelong journey. So far she has heard that Jesus is going to be the son of God, the Messiah who comes to bring freedom to his people. This baby she's holding is powerful, holy, glorious. He's the one who can still a storm with just a word. He's the one to whom sickness, demons, and even death itself bow down and surrender. He's the Savior. He's Lord. He is King Looking at Jesus, reading the pages of this book, and getting to know the real Jesus is going to be a lifelong journey. A minute ago I said that a life of apprenticeship is a life of slowly undoing the lies we've believed about ourselves and training ourselves to listen to who Jesus says we are. Well, in his book uh, Gentle and Lowly, which I just can't recommend highly enough, Dane Ortland says this another way. He says that in another sense the life of apprenticeship or of following Jesus is a life of slowly having all of our our misconceptions of who Jesus is undone and made right. Meditate, ponder, treasure Jesus. Treasure up truths about him as you read his word. Look for him on every page of scripture. Ask God to open your eyes to see Jesus as you read his word and hear from him treat it like a treasure because that is exactly what it is. I've recently started um, uh, discipling a a young guy from Iran and in our first um, session of discipleship I realized that he needs to disciple me. Because the way that he talked about Jesus, the way that he talked about scripture was a way that I never consider scripture. He, he told stories of walking through the streets of Tehran um, with a backpack full of clothes, with a Bible hidden in it, just so that if he got the opportunity to, he could open up quickly and just read, hear from God. His word is a treasure. Jesus himself is a treasure. And the more you get to know Jesus, the more you will be taken by surprise, by his love, his gentleness, his outrageous grace that Glenn was praying about earlier. His glory, his strength, his authority, his power. So treasure up truths about who Jesus says you are. Treasure up truths about who Jesus says he is. And finally, I want to look at the last time that um, Luke tells us that Mary ponders or treasures up something that God tells her. So at the end of, of Luke chapter 2, um, Luke tells us that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus went up to the temple for Passover. And as they start their journey home, um, bear in mind they would have been traveling in a lar- with a large group of relatives. Uh, A day into the journey they realise that they've lost Jesus. So every parent's nightmare, but imagine that you've been given the responsibility for the you know sovereign God of the universe to look after, and you've lost him. So they go back to Jerusalem and finally find him after three days of searching. And they find him sitting in the temple with the teachers of the Old Testament, listening, asking questions, and amazing them with his depth of knowledge and understanding. And this is what Luke tells us in verse 48. He says, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them but his his mother treasured all these things in her heart. So this is the end of everything we know about Jesus' childhood, actually. Um, And as it ends, we see that Mary, Luke tells us Mary treasures these things in her heart, and we can assume that it's not just what she had just heard, but it's everything she has experienced so far. And so what I want to focus on in this last um, uh, section here is what do we do... In when apprenticeship, when following Jesus gets really hard and stops making sense. Because that is a guarantee of following Jesus. It's just going to happen. If anyone told you that following Jesus was going to be smooth, that it was going to be easy, that is a demonic lie. Because it's not. And I actually say demonic lie because I think it's literally true, because if you believe that, then the minute it gets hard, you'll stop following. If we go back to the uh, greeting that the angel um, said to Mary, uh, there's a Bible commentator called Mary Shirts, different Mary than the mother of Jesus, um, and she says that in another sense, Mary might have been troubled by this greeting because of what happens to people in the Old Testament who are called out by God, who God favors, who God lays his grace on, who God singles out for a specific mission. Mary might have realized, wait a minute, if God has put his grace on me, if God favors me, that means life is not going to be easy. See, the angel's greeting echoes similar greetings you hear throughout the Old Testament um, to people such as Abraham, Moses, Jeremiah. If you read these people's lives, they are anything but easy. Yes, they experienced God's grace and and his presence with them, but their lives were full of suffering and difficulty. And Mary's life was going to be anything but easy normal, quiet, pain-free. We see, even in this interaction, that she has to come to terms with the fact that she is not going to be a normal mother with a normal son. And it must have been painful to realize this, that although she was his mother, he wasn't really hers completely. It was going to mean him doing some pretty strange things that she wasn't going to understand or maybe approve of in her limited human understanding things were going to happen to him and to her which would go beyond her understanding and what she could have possibly imagined in her worst nightmares. It was prophesied over them, over Mary and Joseph and Jesus that a sword would pierce through Mary's soul and that Jesus was appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. See, as Mary is holding her infant son, she's told that life Her life and his life are going to be marked by division, opposition, and violence. Imagine hearing that as a mother. Imagine seeing the division that Jesus brought even within her own family as his brothers hated him and thought he was a fool. Imagine standing at the foot of the cross, looking up, and seeing your child brutally and mortally wounded, shamed, screaming in agony even though he was innocent. See, Mary's life of apprenticeship, of following God, was immensely costly. And there must have been times, like times like those, where she thought, where are you, God? Do you actually love me? Are you even real? Because can you see what's going on at the moment? I wonder if you feel like that sometimes. You look around uh, and nothing seems to make sense. Everything seems a bit out of control. It's not really possible for you to trust anymore that you're actually loved or that Jesus is good or that he's in control or that he even exists. What are we supposed to do in those times? Well, I believe that what carried Mary through is all of those times we see Luke telling us that he treasured, that she treasured up these things in her heart. See, she had this treasure bank of truths, of promises from God that she could shout back in the face of what everything else, her circumstances were telling her. And there will be times where everything around you, everything around me is shouting at you, you're not loved. Jesus isn't in control. Look around you. Where is your God? Like we hear in the Psalms. And in these moments, if we have spent time building up that treasure chest of truths about who we are, about who Jesus is, then we'll actually be able to fight back. I remember preaching here on uh, depression on Psalm 42 um, a few years ago. And uh, Roger McConnell, uh, I don't actually know if Roger is here. can't see him. Roger, hey! Um, Helped me out with an illustration um, about flying because I don't fly planes, but Roger does. And um, it was a really helpful illustration to talk about this, actually. He was telling me how um, in when um, you're up flying a plane, you can all relate to that, and you're going through um, bad weather, pilots can develop something called the leans, which means that while the plane might actually be steady and going n- not, not leaning, the pilot starts to feel like it is. And so in those moments, the temptation is to, um, is to compensate and try to level up the plane. But obviously the plane is level, and so if you compensate, then the plane goes the other way and spirals out of control. And so what pilots have to learn to do in those moments is to f- something called flying by instruments only. Um, basically means don't trust anything you feel, don't trust anything that you can see out there, look at what the plane is telling you. The plane is telling you the truth. The plane is telling you whether it's level or not. Ignore everything you're feeling. Ignore your instincts. Look at what the plane is telling you. In moments of weariness, of apprenticeship where we feel like God is not there, where everything is shouting us, You're not loved. Jesus isn't real. God isn't with you. We need to learn how to fly by instruments only and shout back. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a pastor and a doctor, um, said that one of the uh, greatest dangers in the Christian life is when we listen to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. He says that there comes a time where you need to tell yourself truth where when you're listening to yourself telling you you're not loved, Jesus isn't with you, you shout back and say, lies! He is with me. He does love me because he told me so. And I'm not going to believe you for another second. A few uh, years ago, um, I was uh, prescribed six sessions of CBT, so cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, not all my stories involve counseling, by the way, but it just seems apt for today. Um, <laughs> and one of the exercises I was given was um, a, a, a common method called the 5-4, I can't even count, my goodness, five-four-three-two-one 2 one method. Um, when things feel out of control, when you, you're kind of losing grip of reality, um, sometimes counsellors will tell you D- try five, four, three, two, one. Five things you can see. Name five things you can see. Four things you can touch. Three things you can hear. Two things you can smell. One thing you can taste. And what it does is it kind of grounds you back into reality. It it it, it helps you ignore or or at least start to fight back what you're being told, what your brain is trying to tell you and and ground you in that moment. And I I was telling this uh, to a friend and mentor of mine um, and and he said it it sounded really good, a, a really good method, but why not add six, five, four, three, two, one. Start with six truths about who Jesus is or six truths about who Jesus says you are. Six truths about the gospel. Six truths about God. So that you're not just grounded in this moment, but you're grounded in ultimate reality. You're grounded in who your creator tells you you are. You're grounded in what his perception of reality and not your own. And this meant that in times where things feel out of control, where following Jesus seems just a bit meaningless and pointless, and was just really difficult. My eyes were fixed on god 's perception of that situation, who Jesus is or who Jesus tells me I am. And we have this promise as I draw to a close in second corinthians four sixteen to eighteen it says and I think this is a great encouragement for um, those of us who are going through times like this in, in our journey with Jesus. It says, Therefore, we, do, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And this, verse 18 So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. As we end, um, I want to come back to the first uh, passage we, uh, I read again. Um, after the angel describes what Mary is going to go through, what um, her mission is, Mary asks a very understandable question. How is this going to happen? The angel explains. And then Mary says in one sentence what our entire series on apprenticeship could be summarized as. In Luke one thirty-eight, it says, Mary said, Behold, I am, your ser- I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This is what apprenticeship is. Jesus I'm yours, do with me what you wish. If we've spent time treasuring up truth about Jesus, truth about who he says we are, reading truth, watching truth, listening to truth, then in the face of massive uncertainty, we can say these words with Mary. We can say, not because of what I see or feel, but because I know Because I know what is true, Jesus, I'm yours, do with me what you will. I want to finish with uh, one last story. I was debating whether to uh, tell it, but um, I'm going to, and if it was a mistake, then forgive me. Um, I was at a, we were at a conference in Croatia um, a few months ago, and I was sitting um, by the water, um, and um, the sea, not the bath, and um, I had this overwhelming sense that everything I believed in was false. This really frightening sense. Oh, my goodness. And I was at a missionary con- convention. And I'm a missionary. Um, everything I believed in was false. I thought, oh, my goodness. What, am I, you know, what does this mean? And... And that kind of, that carried on through the day. And then the next day, the next morning um, was just really in despair because of this. And the next morning, um, the speaker um, was talking about the story of Joseph. And I I can't even remember what the link was actually. Um, But at one point he talked about the passage in Hebrews, and I should have written it down because I can't quote it from memory, where it says effectively that faith is the um, hope of things unseen. That was one of those moments where that treasure, that truth just caught hold of my heart. God was t- I felt God telling me, what you're hearing, what you're, what you're thinking right now is not true. And you might have to carry on in that journey for a bit. That lie might continue to come, but through all of that noise, listen to What I say, listen to what my word tells you. This is what we're to do in the most difficult times of apprenticeship with Jesus, so that we can say with Mary, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I'm gonna invite the band back up. and I'm gonna pray. I'm sorry, I went over my time a bit. Fresh leaders are going to be screaming. We have prayer ministry. Um, if anything that um, I spoke about this morning, or anything that you have heard this morning, has resonated with you, please don't, don't um, cave to the temptation of leaving. Please go and have your family pray for you. So let me pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that um, it is trustworthy above everything that we feel or think or perceive. Thank you that your perception um, is accurate when our perception is wrong. God, I pray that, we would, that by your spirit we could see things the way you do so that in our journey of apprenticeship, in the most confusing and horrible times, uh, we can say with Mary, Jesus, I'm yours, and you can do with me what you want because you're trustworthy and because you love me and because I'm yours. Amen.